was Mitch dumb enough to go out and buy new comics during Winter Storm Landon? Um, Matt, let's start with you this week. Yes, absolutely. Lydia. Okay, first off, I didn't realize this thing had a name. Uh, second off, absolutely. And I am going to be super impressed if that's true and that your little Pontiac Bayou actually made it through the snow. So, <laughs> uh, First off, don't bring my Pontiac vibe into this, okay? My Pontiac <laughs> vibe did nothing to you. <laughs> Tabitha. Um, I had a Pontiac vibe. Nothing was a beast in the snow. Not as good as my smaller car, which is better than Matt's giant car. It's fine. Um, I'm going to go with no, because I feel like you respected the emergency thing to tell you to not go anywhere unless you needed to, because you were a danger to humanity. Well, the answer (laughs) is I did not go out. Um, There, there's... If there's one thing that I love more than comic books, it's a hatred of driving in the snow, um, especially driving in what, like 10 inches of snow. Is that is that where we're at right now? Um, uh, so I was like just over 11, I think. 11 oh, OK, yeah. So, um, yeah, I did not leave my house at all yesterday and I only left my house enough to. uh shovel the sidewalk in the driveway today so yeah i want none of this you're listening to the geek awakens with mitch matt tabitha lydia and ticket We're going to start off tonight um, when we we did definitely did not talk about the whole Microsoft and Blizzard acquisition um, in a timely fashion. But PlayStation made some moves this week and it's a little more timely. So, Matt, uh, let's talk about is it Bungie? Bungie. Okay. Yes. Um, so apparently this has been a deal that's been in the works for quite a while, like before the whole Microsoft Blizzard acquisition. Um, but it was announced this week that Sony is buying Bungie for $3.6 billion. Um, Bungie will continue to function as an independent subsidiary of Sony Interactive Entertainment, which basically means that um, they will keep doing exactly what they've been doing. Their board of directors and their president will stay in place. Um, They will basically just be underneath the umbrella of Sony. Um, Bungie is also going to continue to publish publish their own games and determine which platforms their games will appear on. Um, So I guess I'm a little confused on why they're making the acquisition if basically nothing changes for Bungie. Um, but, um, I mean, I don't know. Bungie started out forever ago with this little game called Myth. Um, then they really hit it big when they developed Halo. Um, they were the creators of Halo (laughs) until I think 2007 when Microsoft bought that franchise and took it underneath their own umbrella. Um, 
But uh, as of recently, Bungie has been the creator of Destiny and Destiny 2. So I don't know. Um, Sony obviously sees something in this acquisition and the reason for it. But uh, $3.6 billion for this purchase. So Maybe what they see is just the fact that they have had that success with those games. So basically... By acquiring them, they now have the right to say, oh, yeah, we own that. Yeah, I, I think it might be a, <coughs> excuse me, a, uh, what do you call it? A profit, a, a profit share type of move more than anything. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, I was talking to my brother-in-law about this, and um, basically he thinks the same thing I do, that um, unannounced Bungie has a new intellectual property that they've been working on that Sony maybe knows about and wants to get in on before it actually goes public. So who knows? That sounds like a very plausible type of thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I kind of see it as like, uh, like, Oh, Hey, we're going to do this and not change too much just yet. Because let's be honest at the end of the day, capitalism is going to win and like half of Bungie staff is going to be extraneous and won't be around anymore. But mm. for now, for the time being, you know, if something is working, why mess with it? Yep. All right. So let's open up the poll list. Uh, we have two books to talk about tonight. Uh, the first one is out now from vault. It's human Rena human remains. Number five. Uh, written by Peter Milligan with art by Sally Cantorino. Uh, so as Colonel Sullivan believes the captured life form is trying to communicate with him, Bisa starts to come up with a different solution to the monsters. Um, this series just continues to throw curveball after curveball after curveball. Um, I really love the complexity of these monsters uh, and how it increases with each issue. But it's just, it's it's weird how, like, they're not that different, but, like, we're learning more and more about them as the characters do. Um, and that's another thing that with this book. It's like, I originally thought that jumping back and forth with all the main characters would be kind of jarring and would kind of lose my attention. But I really like how they're all connected. You know, it's not just that they're completely unrelated, but no, like, you know, one character is the cousin of another character who is, you know, working with this general and et cetera, et cetera. It's like a much bloodier love actually. And I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I read all of the issues to kind of catch up with this. And um, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I'm really enjoying how as the characters are learning more about these creatures, these life forms as they're called, um, you know, we're learning along with them. Um, and yes, it's very much, um, what's the other movie that's kind of like that? Oh, Crash, where all of the lives kind of intertwine and you don't really think that they intertwine until you get further into the story. Um, and uh, this is very much that same kind of thing. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm hooked. I am ready for more. Like, there's and just like vault continues to do with their other like their nightfall titles you get those deep human issues 
that go with this gore and this sci-fi story. Um, like you're, you're dealing with one, one of the, like the one scientist who has lost her child mm-hmm. and you're dealing with another couple who is newly married. And at this point, because of the creatures unable to essentially show affection, um, you've got the general who has lost his father. Um, it's just like all of these personal issues coming into how they're dealing with the world around them. And it's super interesting. Uh, the other book we're going to talk about tonight is Vince Staples presents Limbo Beach. Uh, it is out February 8th from Z2, uh, written by Chris Robinson, Brian Edward, uh, Brian Edward Hill, and Vince Staples, uh, with art by Buster Moody. So Limbo Beach is a mysterious theme park ruled by teens with superpowers. But the uh, Wonderlosts, with their newest member, Nobody, uh, are on a mission to find answers. Uh, Tabitha, let's start with you on this one. What'd you think? Um, so I finished this and I looked at Matt and I said, what did I just read? Um, (laughs) I really liked the art and I loved the world and I liked the characters and I kind of liked the plot, but the dialogue was trash. Like I would have almost liked this more if it were a silent graphic novel. (laughs) Like, and I was just looking at the images to figure out the story. No one had an individual voice. They all sounded and acted exactly the same. Um, The twist at the end saw coming from 20 miles away. I just, I liked so many things about this and had it had different dialogue, it probably would have been five stars, but unfortunately it was like a one and a half. Matt, what'd you think? Uh, From the very beginning, this art just grabbed me. Um, I love the art style. I love the kind of texture that went along with the coloration. Um, it was, it was great because a lot of times you either get very little definition or you get like, uh, it's almost like when you're messing with an Instagram photo, you're using zero structure or using a hundred structure and everything is like super grainy and super like all the lines are there. And this was a really great, like, halfway point. Like, it, I don't know, the art was just fantastic. It grabbed me right away. Um, The story was interesting. Um, The different factions, I mean, it's something we've seen in, like, post-apocalyptic kind of themes before. uh, But we have not seen the uh, amusement park kind of idea being played out. So that that was very interesting. Um, I do kind of, I do have to agree with Tabitha that a lot of the characters definitely sounded very much the same. Like there wasn't a whole lot of different voices for the different characters. Um, but at the same time, like I really enjoyed the different powers that all of these, these, these kids had, um, the powers themselves were, were fairly unique as far as like superpowers go. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I felt like this book had a lot of potential. Um, it had a lot of Wizard of, I- Wizard of Oz v- uh, vibes to it. Um, also, the character uh, Keeper, after he his powers like, kind of become enhanced, he has some mad Darkwing Duck vibes. <laughs> True. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought that it was fun, but I also thought that it was way too quick. Um, 
I think that it would have benefited from like more of a fleshed out version of this story. I think that, um, you know, like, cause it was, it was right at about a hundred pages. Mm-hmm. They could have like doubled the length and given us more of a backstory of these characters, uh, told us what was going on. Um, I don't know. Like I liked it. I want to like it more. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, like it's just, it was just kind of like a, I've done and I'm like, okay, but what about this, 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 and this, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's get into some trailer takedown. And again, we only have two trailers to talk about. Uh, there were a couple that came out, or I think that there was one that came out today and one that came out maybe a couple days ago that I noticed and I thought about adding them in, but I was like, you know what? Nah, let's just, let's just stick with these two. Um, so this week it is Halo going up against After Yang. Halo, it's uh, Paramount Plus's adaptation of the classic video game. Uh, hopefully one of you guys can talk about what's going on in this because this trailer did a trash job of making me care about this series like at all. I about midway through and I'm just like, okay, like, I don't know. It's they kind of explained it, I guess, but I felt like it was, I felt like you had to have a working knowledge of Halo to understand any of it, which I understand because, you know, they're not making this for Mitch Ladd. They're making it for somebody who's played the game. Um, After Yang, uh, it is, it's by A24. So I already knew that I'm ready for in I'm re- ready for some weirdness. Um, <laughs> so in this, uh, Colin Farrell plays a dad who tries to repair Yang, who is an android, who is his daughter's companion. Um, and you get a lot of you know how the robot is the most human person in this you know family or whatever. Um, yeah, I thought Halo was. Yeah, I'm sorry. Halo was trash. Was not was not digging it at all. Uh, after Yang, I feel like I could see myself watching it. Um, it might be real sad though, and so I don't know if I should watch it. That said, I'm giving all of my points to After Yang. Um, Lydia, what about you? So I wish I could give you a little bit more insight, but Halo is one of those game series that I have not played yet. I do have a a bit of a working knowledge of it just based off the fact that, you know, I'm a gamer and around that general talk. So that's in a lot of the stuff that I am around. So I know roughly what it's supposed to be. I know who the characters are supposed to be. Honestly, watching this trailer, I am really interested in watching this show. I say even having no knowledge really of the game series itself from playing it before like it looks really good the graphics look really good um it it doesn't have what a lot of like video game adaptations have where it looks like you just have a bunch of cosplayers trying to be a like high budget show like it looks really good as far as after yang i had basically the same thing you had with halo like I got halfway through and I'm like, I, I don't care. Why, why am I watching this? So I really don't ever see myself watching this movie. I never really got hooked into this trailer. So I'm going to go opposite you <laughs> and give all my points to Halo. 
Uh, Tabitha. So, Halo, in my head, <laughs> will forever be a game to be played by 18 to 24-year-old boys who think they're badass, get drunk on the weekends, talk shit to their girlfriends, and then pretend that they're badasses because they play Halo. So that's all I can associate this with <laughs> in my head. So I basically tuned out for this whole thing because video game movies and TV shows are inevitably trash. We all know this. I can't think of a single good video game, anything that's come out of anything but a video game in the entire history of my life. I mean, Sonic um, the Hedgehog was uh, pretty good. Silent Hill is fine. <laughs> Silent Hill, the movie, is arguably better than the video game, though. Like, that's just a weird conundrum. Um, <laughs> So was Resident Evil. Yeah. Don't fight me. Um, after Yang had all of my attention, except for the part where Colin Farrell was in it. <laughs> really? Colin Farrell is the male version of Amy Adams for me. <laughs> so I just naturally am born to hate him and his stupid face. So I, I have a hard time giving either of them points, but because I hate Colin Farrell worse than I hate dude bros, when <laughs> I'm going to, or not more than I hate dude bros. I'm going to give two points to the dude bro movie and eight points to the Colin Farrell movie. All right, Matt. So as far as plot goes for the Halo movie or Halo show, um, they, they do kind of give you some of the background. Um, you know, Master Chief um, is fighting the Covenant. The Covenant has come to take out the world like human humanity there's there's one really good thing and one really bad thing for me in this trailer and one the one really good thing is that they comment about how master chief is controllable which uh game character i get <laughs> um but as part of that they also mentioned that he is upgradable which i think is pretty interesting because they're like you increase your skills, you get skill points, you get bigger guns as the games go along. Um, so like the idea of that actually being shown on like in a TV show, I, I think would be pretty interesting to see how that goes. Um, the bad thing for me is it looked like they're trying to make master chief who you don't see anything, but the helmet the entire time, um, like a personality. And as much as I have not played Halo, Master Chief just doesn't seem like a character that you need to have a personality for. Like, make make the story about the story. Don't necessarily try and make me care about the main character in this particular instance. So, um, I don't know. That's my thought on that. After Yang, um, I know it's A24, so it's going to be weird. But I kept getting those swan song vibes with like Marshall Ali and how this is a sci-fi movie that's going to make me cry because it's going to make you think about humanity and robots and how robots are more human than people. And I just, uh, I, don't, I just, I just don't know how that's going to play out all in all. Um, I am going to go, I think I'm going to go six for after Yang and four for, Halo. All right. So with a score of 24 to 16, uh, we do not see your Halo. And after Yang wins this round <laughs> of trailer takedown. Where's my bell? Right there. Hiding. <laughs>
<laughs> I was just going to say that uh, Tabitha's um, this description of Halo to me sounds more like Call of Duty, which is amusing because I actually play Call of Duty. But, you know, whatever to each their own. <laughs> See, my problem with Call of Duty is I think about all of my friends that are big history nerds that play Call of Duty for the history aspect of Call of Duty and not just the blowing shit up aspect of Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> See, lately I just think Call of Duty and I'm amused because of how annoyed somebody gets how inaccurate most of the guns are. Yes. That's <laughs> what All right. Let's get into some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we are starting tonight with actually kind of some breaking news. I saw this as I was uh, kind of waiting for you guys to, um, to get on. So this may... DC is releasing a new six-issue miniseries called Jurassic League. In this world, Superman is a Brachiosaurus. Batman, a.k.a. Batsaur, uh, is an Allosaurus. Wonder Woman is a Triceratops. And Joker is a uh, Dilophosaurus. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've never even heard of that one. <laughs> um, I'm giving this all the thumbs up. Uh, we have not talked about um, the event coming up this year, like the death of the Justice League or whatever, because um, I don't super care about it because, you know, they're <clears throat> they're not going to stay dead. That just seems really weird, but OK. But I am 100 percent here for a dinosaur Justice League. Give <laughs> that to me all day long. Thumbs up, Lydia. I'm now just mentally trying to figure out how the costumes are going to work. And so <laughs> they're, they're still like man sized. They're not like actual dinosaurs, but they're, you know, that like makes it worse. <laughs> <laughs> anthropomorphic. I don't know if I want this. I don't think I want this. This, <laughs> this sounds like a six year old got bored. <laughs> put their like superhero costumes on their little plastic dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> which now that I'm thinking about it sounds kind of cute so they go that direction then I'm all about it so I'm gonna go thumb sideways Matt I you know this is just weird enough that I want to see uh, that I want to see this so I'm gonna go thumbs up Tabitha um, I don't want to see this, but I do want to see what Lydia just said. It's like a, <laughs> like a puppet show with little plastic dinosaurs <laughs> wearing superhero costumes, but it's Alan Tudyk doing the voices. Yes! <laughs> that I want. I'm going to start a petition, but everything else lends to Uh Tabitha, let's talk about White Knights. Is that my story? Yes, it is. Oh, it is. I forgot what the name of that movie was called. I've been blocking this out most of the day. So... Right early this morning, our number number one fan, Rob, um, texted Matt and I that there is going to be a Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Chloe Grace Moretz movie that is called Seductive Poison, which is, or no, sorry, White Knight, which is based on the book Seductive Poison, written by Deborah Layton. And Deborah Layton is a survivor of the Jonestown Massacre. Um, I'm not going to go super into this, mostly because we all know what the Jonestown Massacre is, and we all know that there's been 57,426 documentaries, movies made about this already, and I think we need to stop romanticizing it. Um, 
as much as I love these two actors and I am happy that the author is getting a chance to see her memoir brought to less real life. Um, I don't, I don't love that they keep doing this. Like we're rehashing it for shock value and I'm kind of over it. Um, we all know the story. We all know what happens. We all know the tragedy. And I don't think we need to keep making movies like this over and over and over as much as their guilty pleasure watches of mine. So I'm going to give this a thumbs down. Yeah. I'm also giving this a thumbs down. This just does not sound like it's needed or necessary. Uh, Lydia. Yeah. Thumbs down. Matt. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the actors. I think they're going to, they would do a good job with this. Um, but yeah, this is not, not, this is not something we need. So I'm going to go thumbs down. So there is a new Star Trek uh, series that's in development for Paramount Plus. It is Star Trek Starfleet Academy. Uh, it is too early in the planning stages for any other details, uh, but still I'm going to go thumbs up on this one. Um, I've always liked the idea of Starfleet Academy and especially like in uh, the next generation, any episode where we would go to Starfleet Academy, I was here for. Um, I know that it probably won't, but like there's a small part of me. There was a short-lived uh, comic series uh, put out by Marvel in like the 90s that was based around Starfleet Academy. And so like I really kind of hope that they adapt that. I know it's not going to happen, but still, a boy can dream. Uh, but still, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, thumbs up. Why not? Matt. Yeah, I think this is one of those sections of Star Trek that has not been super. What what's the word? I, it it's an undiscovered country. Um, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, it, it's one of those things in Star Trek that they kind of brush past every so often, and they don't really spend a whole lot of focus on. So I think with the way that things have been going with lower decks and with um, Discovery, I, I think this is a good time to do this. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Tabitha. I have always thought that if I could live in one fictional world, it would be going to Starfleet Academy for the rest of eternity. Um, <laughs> so thumbs up. <laughs> uh, Matt, you've got some D&D news. So we have known that they are going to be doing like a D&D universe with new movies and shows um, as part of that. Um, we have new information on a new live action D&D show. Uh, it is going to be headed by the Red Notice director, Rawson Marshall Thurber. Um, he's going to creatively oversee this project, which means he's going to write and direct the pilot and also serve as executive producer. Um, there's a rumor that Netflix is already in on bidding for this TV show. Um, but basically all we know at this point is going to build on the D and D universe um, that is going to be part of the movie starring Chris Pine, the other TV show that they're already working on developing. Um, so they're really working on building this D and D universe and everything that there is to do. Um, just as a side note, Thurber has also directed We're the Millers and Dodgeball. And now he's going to be taking creative control of a D 
D and D or Dungeons and Dragons TV show. So I love this idea. I love the expanded universe. I think that there's plenty to explore, um, especially with the way CGI has come through in the last few years. Definitely have technology to do this. But I don't know that this is the right guy to put in charge of a Dungeons and Dragons show. So I'm going to go thumb sideways until we get plot, casting, maybe even a trailer. Definitely. Yeah, like I, all I'm playing is one of these things is nothing like the other over and over in my head. Um, I've kind of secretly always wanted like a very immersive, like either TV or movie series about Dungeons and Dragons just because I would kill to see some of those characters <laughs> and worlds brought to life. Um, so I'm going to give this a cautious thumb sideways, mostly because you, you, you told me about Larry Miller's, I'm sorry, did you say dodgeball? Yes. Okay. Dodgeball. So yep. yes, th- thumb sideways. <laughs> um, I'm also going thumb sideways. Uh, something that kind of struck my mind and I don't know if this is the route that they're going with this, but like, especially if you're making this like universe or whatever with multiple different TV shows and movies and whatever, what have you, um, kind of going back to star trek you know one of the things that they've shown us is that you can have multiple different genres with the same in the same universe you know you've got discovery which is you know like a gritty star trek show um brave new world um we haven't seen it yet but it kind of looks like it's going to be more along the lines of like traditional trek you've got lower decks which is a comedy you have prodigy which is a kid show you know like so my initial thought, if you've got the direct, was it the writer or the director? Director. Director. Okay. So you've got my initial thought, you've got the director of Where the Millers oh. and Dodgeball. Uh, my first inclination is that, well, maybe this series that they're working on is going to be a comedy, you know, and I might be okay with that. I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a Dungeons Dragons guy. I'm not a role-playing guy in general, but like, I feel like there is room for comedy in that world. So if that's where they're going, maybe thumb sideways. Lydia. See, my problem with just this whole idea in general is that one of the charms of like Dungeons and Dragons and any kind of game like that is the fact that it's unpredictable. Like you can plan it out to a T and based on how the players react to something is how quickly everything can change. And all of a sudden you have to go a completely different direction. You can't do that necessarily with a TV show that's plotted out from the beginning. And while I think it would be interesting, I don't think it's necessarily going to be Dungeons and Dragons anyway, but I'm kind of okay with the fact that they have a director that has something like We're the Millers and Dodgeball because some Dungeons and Dragons things get very wonky very quick. So you have that aspect. So they have that going for them at least, but overall I just think that this is a bad idea in general. I don't think it's going to work the same way that a lot of the like video game adaptations of things that they try to do don't work because you can't base one storyline off of something that is open world. So I'm just going to go thumbs down just because I don't think it's going to work. So Donald Faison, um, either of clueless fame or scrubs fame, depending on what camp you belong in, um, (laughs) has been cast as a mystery character in the season finale for CW's legends of tomorrow. Uh, there is wild speculation that he has been cast as Booster Gold. Um, the official description for Faison's character reads, quote, uh, the legends first encounter this character at a different uh, phase of his career whose golden years are in the rearview mirror. 
he is a good guy deep down. His ego is looking for a boost that may uh, that only fame, yes. fortune, and glory can provide. Uh, this character description describes Booster Gold to a T. Uh, they could be giving us a huge red herring um, with this description, especially with using the words golden and boost. Um, I I don't know, though. Like, I think that that would be awesome. Donald Faison is not somebody that I ever would have imagined as Booster Gold, but the more I think about it, I'm like, okay, I am here for this. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs up, but it almost gets a thumbs sideways because Legends of Tomorrow, I only watched the first season of it. So you, you we're now in like season seven. So y'all are really going to make me watch six seasons just to see Booster Gold, but okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> Lydia. Um, so Legends of Tomorrow, along with pretty much all the like DC TV shows, are is on the list of things that I have not gotten around to watching, so I really don't care a whole lot. Um, the little bit I know of Booster Gold, again, like you said, not who I would have pictured, but hey, whatever. Have fun with it. I'm thumb sideways just because I don't really have a frame of reference for and I don't really care. Matt. Um, so Don Faison, I think, is one of those actors that we, like those of us that watched him in Clueless or Scrubs, picture him acting a certain way. But I think he's one of those actors that has better acting chops than we would normally suspect. Um, and to put him in a role that may very well be Booster Gold, um, in a slightly more dramatic and action-oriented series, I think could really surprise some people. Um, so I think this is fun. I think this is great. And this is one of those things, like, I have not watched the series, but when they're able to bring in characters like that, um, I, I think it's a great idea. So I'm going to go thumbs up on the prospect of how well he can, he's going to be able to play the character and surprise people. Tabitha. I'm not watching all of these episodes and all these seasons to get to it, but I think it would be interesting. So I'll wait until it hits YouTube and then I'll watch it. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, you have an update on Mouse. I do. So we had talked about how Mouse had been targeted recently and removed from libraries and things like that. Um, Nirvana Comics is a comic book shop in Knoxville, Tennessee. They launched a GoFundMe on January 28th with the goal of providing as many free copies of Mouse to kids as possible. Um, it was all spurred by the McKinn County Board of Education's vote to unanimous, unanimously ban the graphic novel from the eighth grade curriculum for multiple reasons, all baseless and unfounded because they're dumb. Um, their original goal was $20,000. As of right now, uh, let me reload this. They have raised $106,091 on this GoFundMe. Um, so they have said that now that they have blown away their original goal, that they will not just be purchasing copies of Mouse for local students, but students all across the country. This is fabulous. This is fantastic. I love the support that this is getting. I love that they have absolutely demolish their goal of $20,000. Huge thumbs up for this. Tabitha. Yeah. 
absolute thumbs up. This is incredible. I pulled up that GoFundMe today and looked at it too. And I was like, wow. And it's even grown since I looked at it earlier. So that's incredible. Thumbs up. Um, yeah, this is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I, I have nothing more to add. So thumbs up. Lydia. I am all about putting books that have been attempted to be banned back in the hands of people. I love that they got that much support and blew past their goal. Absolute thumbs up. Uh, Tabitha, you have another library story from Boise. Um, I have the cutest story in the world from Boise, Iowa, Idaho. (laughs) (laughs) One of those places that doesn't have a lot of people in it, but this one has more potatoes. So it's actually. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, I haven't had to use my brain since 11 o'clock yesterday morning. I'm in like. Limbo? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every day with you is purgatory. (laughs) Anyway, I have a cute story about an eight year old named Dylan from the potato place. (laughs) So Dylan, over his Christmas break, wrote a book that he wanted everybody to read. Um, He spent a really long time making it, um, four days actually, and filled 81 pages of an empty journal with an illustrated tale about how he was transported back in time after the star atop his Christmas tree explodes. Whoa. Right? So there was no book deal. There was no publication. Um, he snuck it past the librarians mm. into the library and put on the shelves. Um, so he, his, his family called the library and they were like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Can we come pick it up? And the librarians were like, absolutely not. This deserves a spot on our shelves. So they put it up there because they said it was a good story. And they put it in the graphic novel section of the library and it has the world's cutest illustrations. Dylan can't even spell or say library. So he's calls he's Liberty. Anyway, um, <coughs> chapter one, one day in winter, it was Christmas. Christmas spelled C-R-I-S-M-I-S. <laughs> um, Santa comes. And after that, he comes across five trees. And one of them was a portal. So this is actually like a really in-depth story <laughs> for this eight-year-old who can't even spell Christmas. Anyway, um, the portal takes him back to 1621. Whoa. Very specific. Um, and it's just like a cute little comic book and people can check it out. But the library, if everybody checked it out that was on hold, said that it would be on hold and out of the library for four years. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants to write more books. He said, I like quote, I'm going to stop writing when I'm 40. And then what? I'm going to make games. So his next book is going to be called The Jacket Eating Closet, which is, according to Dylan, based on actual events. <laughs> um, I'm giving this story, this book, and this child a giant thumbs up. Like, mostly because this is some tiny tab of the shit. If I've ever heard <laughs> And I'm real mad I didn't think about it when I was eight years old. And I could spell Christmas at eight years old. So I'm going to give Dylan a run for his money. <laughs> yeah, you you show Dylan who's boss, Tabitha. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, 100% of thumbs up. This is such a cute story. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully something comes out of this and, you know, 
whatever. Uh, I look forward to his games when he's 40. Um, Lydia. This is adorable and I love it. And props to this kid for having the guests just be like, this is a good story. This is going to the library, whether they like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Thumbs up to this story, to this kid. I wish I had that that kind of gumption at 28, let alone eight. (laughs) Matt. Uh, This is fantastic. I'm just jealous that this kid has as many books in the library as I do. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go thumbs up for this. This is fantastic. Well, Matt, all you need to do is just sneak into (laughs) a library and just put it on the shelf. Uh, you know, there's really? that's an idea. I've got some copies upstairs. I mean, that's how I got one in the library now. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so the live action Masters of the Universe movie from Netflix is scheduled to start filming this summer. And the movie has found its he-man uh kyle allen who most recently played a jet in west side story has been cast as prince adam um i'm giving this a thumbs down uh netflix you've already got two different uh masters of the universe shows on your platform do we really need a movie as well also are we even going to get it? Um, this isn't the first time that we've talked about having a live action movie and then just things kind of fell apart. So whatever. Uh, yeah. Thumbs down. Lydia. So did they just cast him because he at one point had long hair is my question. Potentially. Like, potentially. <laughs> I'm just going to go thumbs down because yeah. No, no, thanks. Matt. So. I grew up watching He-Man. I love the show. I have yet to sit down and actually watch the new Netflix stuff. Um, Yes, I have seen multiple times the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe movie from the 80s. But they have talked about a live-action He-Man movie for so long that until it actually shows up, available to stream on Netflix. I'm not going to believe it. And I'm also having a hard time believing that this kid is going to be a decent Prince Adam He-Man. So until it actually happens, I got to go thumbs down just out of pure, what's the word? Um, Unbelievability. I don't know. Skepticism. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Tabitha. You guys missed it because I had to go blow my nose because it is winter. Um, but I was doing the Jets dance. So I almost grabbed a shame bell. <laughs> That's rude. Um, I'm going to give this a thumbs down. I don't think we need any more iterations of Master of the Universe anywhere ever again. Matt, let's talk about uh, American McGee's Alice. Yeah, so um, Electronic Electronic Arts, oh my God, um, has a video game series called American McGee's Alice. Um, It's loosely based on Lewis Carroll's classics. Um, The games take a lot of liberties in being able to tell a darker Alice in Wonderland story. Um, But basically, the game series is being developed into a TV show. 
Radar Pictures and Abandoned Entertainment um, are in charge of the production and shooting and all those kinds of things. Um, currently, the franchise is two games. It's uh, American Mickey's Alice and then Alice Madness Returns. There is a third game in development right now, Alice Asylum. Um, David Hayter is going to write, produce, and be the showrunner. Um, the name might be familiar because he was a writer for X-Men and X2 X-Men United. Um, so there's no home for the show. There's no cast. There's no dates. Anything like this other than the fact that these two companies and David Hayter are, are creating this. Um, this, was, this was one of those video games that I always wanted to play but never got my hands on. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't know. This seems like a weird pairing with a guy who wrote X-Men movies to a dark version of Alice in Wonderland. Which, if you've read the real Alice in Wonderland, it's bizarre and trippy. Um, I'm just going to go thumbs down, even though this is my own story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm also going to go thumbs down. I just, if you're, we're getting into the realm of where I'm really tired of things being rehashed. This is no different. Like, I just am so tired of. Like, come up with an original idea, for the love of God. That's all I'm asking. Thumbs down. I don't know. I'm I'm going <laughs> to give this a thumb sideways. Um, yeah, the original Alice in Wonderland um, is dark anyway. But to make it darker, um, I don't know. Like... This could this could go very wrong. It could go very wrong, but it could actually be okay. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, thumb sideways. Lydia. So I actually own both of these games. I haven't ever actually gotten around to completing either one of them, but this series is very, very dark, very interesting take on the whole Alice in Wonderland thing. I would love to see a good adaptation of this turned into a show or a movie. I am very skeptical with who is attached to it currently and with it not having a home. That scares me. So I am very intrigued and very, like, excited for the idea. But until I know more, I'm going to go thumb sideways. So if the Suicide Squad and the new Pacemaker or Peacemaker TV show, not Pacemaker, that is a very different show. I think that one's going to die quick. (laughs) Wow, really? (laughs) So if those aren't enough for you, then the characters only miniseries, which is from 1987, is on DC Universe Infinite. Uh, The miniseries follows Peacemaker as he battles Dr. Sinsen, prevents the Soviet Union from being overthrown, and blows up a lot of terrorists. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Um, I'm not current on it, but the pace, or I said it again, the Peacemaker um, show is ridiculously, stupidly funny. Uh, I've watched the intro to that show uh, approximately 7,000 times. Um, It's okay. It's fine. I don't have a problem. Um, But yeah, (laughs) to to be able to go back and read like comics from the eighties are super weird anyway. So I feel like this is going to be 
stupidly weird and i'm here for it so i i have dc universe and infinite so i'm probably going to be checking this out uh lydia you're excited so i'm excited thumbs up (laughs) matt um i have to agree with you the comics from the 80s can be super weird but also at the same time that there's a it's not even a nostalgia because i didn't read comics in the 80s but there is this sense of attachment to these weird 80s comics that are just bizarre for the sake of being bizarre um so the fact that this is available i'm gonna go thumbs up tabitha i blacked out when you started talking about this peacemaker show and i have been <laughs> listening since you said that word so she hasn't seen it oh my god <laughs> 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 Thumbs down to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, you have another PlayStation uh, story uh, talking about their sales. I do. So they released their fourth quarter earnings report uh, the last couple of days. And um, kind of one of the biggest things that they let everybody know is that in the fourth quarter of last year, they sold 3.9 million PlayStation 5s. Um, which seems like a very large number, um, but it was pointed out that um, although the total since the release is 17.3 million PS5s, um, in the same time frame, PlayStation 4 sold 20.2 million units. Um, they did mention that part of the reason for the decreased number is the supply chain issues, you know, uh, not being able to get chips and get the units into stores and that kind of thing. Um, The other big thing that they pointed out during their uh, earnings report is that between now and March of 2026, they are planning to launch 10 live service games, um, which if I understand correctly, live service games are kind of along the lines of just like constantly active. Um, So you would like, World of Warcraft would be one of these. It's a, it's always online. There's always things happening. You can join in and jump out whenever um, you want to play, as far as I understand it. Um, they also did say that the 10 live service games they're planning to launch is part of the reason why they purchased Bungie, which again leads credence to the thought that Bungie has a new IP in development that uh, PlayStation wants to follow up with. Um, they did also mention that eleven in the last quarter, they sold 11.3 million first-party software games. Yeah. Um, and 62% of those purchases were digital, which that's interesting to me, too, that like more than half of what they sold is now just being downloaded right to people's homes, and they're not buying discs from the store anymore. Um, one last tidbit that they did throw out there was that they currently have 48 million PlayStation Plus subscribers, which seems like an incredible number, um, considering that, you know, in the same time that they sold 17 million PlayStation 5s, they sold 20 million PlayStation 4s. So that's a lot of people on PlayStation Plus. I don't know. So it's a lot of numbers, a lot of information. It's just kind of interesting um, that they've still sold that many PlayStation 5s. I don't know. Um, good for them. I don't know. We'll see, what, we'll see what happens with these live 
service games and how that all comes about. I don't know. Overall, I'm going to go thumb sideways as we see how this all pans out and if they end up selling more than they expected to or not. Um, I am blown away by these numbers. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that like, you hear the population of somewhere and you're just like, oh my God, that's so many people. I can one of those things. So I'm, I don't care, but <laughs> thumbs up. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Thumbs up. Um, Matt, did you say it was 62% of games are being sold digitally? Yeah. I, I the, way, the way that that worded was that of the 11.3 million first party games that were sold, which first party is anything that PlayStation or Sony entertainment develops. Um, 62% of those 11.3 million units were digital. I'm honestly surprised that's not higher. I huh? just kind of figured that, especially like in this day and age, like, cause you know, nobody buys CDs anymore, except for me. Uh, nobody buys DVDs anymore, except for me uh, and, and Lydia. Um, but it's like, <laughs> You know, that's just kind of like the, the world that we're in now. Like everything is digital. I, you know, I just, I, I don't know. 62% just seems low to me, but still overall, good job, PlayStation. Lydia. So to shed a little bit more light on the live service thing, because I've been sitting here reading it. Apparently it's mostly games like, you know, like Fortnite or Apex Legends or MMOs, th things that basically are constantly being updated and um, added to are considered live service compared to like the witcher which even though it has like apparently 16 dlcs it's not considered a live service game because it's static static in between yeah. um anyway yeah those numbers are insane say so i kind of agree with mitch i would have thought the uh download thing would have been higher because i know unlike myself who is like very like adamant about wanting a deep like a cd disc thing there just in case you know a server goes down and i lose all my information <laughs> i still want to be able to have my game that i paid 60 plus bucks for um <laughs> but hey good for them and good for having those numbers and thumbs up from a uh, playstation girl through and through <laughs> uh matt we're gonna stick with you you've got some wow news I do. Wow us. So, what? Wow us. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, so Blizzard and World of Warcraft have announced that coming very shortly to their public test realms, they are going to begin testing cross cross faction instances. Um, it includes raids, dungeons, and also some PvP. But basically what this means is that after however many years that World of Warcraft has been going on, and it has constantly been Horde versus Alliance, you will now be able to play together in a dungeon. So you will be able to have both sides working towards the same goal. Um, guilds are going to remain single faction, so you'll have to be either Horde or Alliance to be a guild. Um, this at this point will only be done through the group finder function. So if you go looking for a particular dungeon, um, you will be able to pull your friends that play as the horde and also people from the Alliance to come in and help fill out your party. Um, while you are in that particular dungeon or instance, you will be able to chat 
Um, you will be able to trade. You will be able to heal. You'll be able to anything that you could normally do with those of the same faction. You'll be able to do cross faction while in this in that particular instance. Um, when you leave, they will continue to be essentially unfriendly or dangerous um, in the rest of the game world. So um, it's kind of something that people have been asking for for a very long time in World of Warcraft because. Like, I myself, when I played, I always played as Horde, um, but I had a good friend who, when he decided to start playing, he played Alliance. So if I wanted to play with him, I had to create a character to be able to actually play with him. In this particular iteration, we would be able to play together and still be on opposite sides, which I, like, for me, I think would be super fun and be cool, um, just because people do have their loyalties to both Horde and Alliance. So I don't know. I, if this works out, I think it's great for them. Um, I, I'm going to go thumbs up on this because this is something they have like gamers of World of Warcraft have wanted for a very long time. Tabitha. Yeah. Thumbs up. I didn't really know what you were telling me until that last like couple of minutes, but it's neat that you can team up without actually teaming up. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. Like it's like a cross platform thing and that's really neat. So thumbs up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go thumbs up, even though like 90% of the words that you said went over my head. Um, <laughs> like I understood all those words, but not in that order. So, uh, but you know, you're excited about it. So I'm excited about it. Lydia. So World of Warcraft's not one I've ever played either, but I've played enough games like this to understand the excitement. <laughs> and I think more games should do this. So you don't have to create multiple characters to be able to play with your friends just because they don't want to play the same exact character that you have. So big thumbs up for that. I think more games should adopt this and I hope it goes well for them. So YouTuber Bradley Hall has put on a, has put a different spin on the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Uh, he released a more than three hour long video with a metal version of the soundtrack. I listened to not all of it. Um, in fact, just a very small percentage of the three hour long video. Um, but what I did listen to was really cool. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I love when people do. I don't want to say weird things like this, but I'm kind of sleepy. So that's about the best word I can think of. Um, <laughs> I love it when people do weird things like this and turn something and give it basically like a 180 you know uh but yeah it's really cool lydia i'm very intrigued and i'm gonna have to go look this up after the show's done this sounds really cool uh thumbs up matt uh i'm setting this up on my phone to listen to at work tomorrow and i'm gonna listen to all three hours <laughs> absolutely uh huge thumbs up because i don't know there have been some incredible iterations of songs that you would not think would work well in the metal genre mm -hmm. that have been redone and are absolutely phenomenal. So I can't wait to listen to this. Tabitha. Um, one of my favorite things to do is put on the Lord of the Rings soundtracks just <laughs> as background noise, like in my life and in my office at work. So tomorrow I have three hours of new music, but not with me. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, Tabitha, you have our last story of the evening. This is something I'm lovingly calling uh, Work Week at Bernie's. Uh, yeah, I I don't even know 
how I got here or how I found this, but my headline said, man suspected of pretending dead body was alive in order to steal pension. And I was like, what? (laughs) So I clicked on it. This happened in Ireland. Um, This dude and his buddy came into the post office, which in Ireland is evidently where you pick up your pension check. And between him and his friend, they are carrying the uh, corpse of a man. And they get up to the line and they're like, hey, my uncle's here to pick up his uh, pension check. And the clerk is uh, obviously very suspicious because this man looks very dead. Um, So they contact the authorities who show up. Uh, friend and what turns out to be the corpse's nephew flee the scene and they're like just leave the dead body on the floor of the post office and the authorities are like um what's going on here and once they finally catch up to the nephew the nephew is like he was fine on the way there and then he just started acting weird so we just carried him Nobody believes you. <laughs> no, nobody believes you. It happened in Carlo, Ireland, which is evidently like a super small town. There was no way he was going to get away with this. Um, but he's been buried now. The rest of his family did uh, lay him to rest. Um, but this time, um, his nephew carried him again, but this time he was the pallbearer. <laughs> <laughs> So, no. did, did he try to make a uh, quick detour at the bank? I just, how much could this man's pension check have been for to, <laughs> to, to try this? Also, had that happened in America, that nephew would have been in jail for right forever. in Ireland. They were like, Oh, it's just Patty, he's having a bad day. Like, <laughs> and I say that, but the kid's name was actually Patrick, so I'm not- <laughs> oh, of course it was. So, like, did he even try to excuse, like, make an excuse for why his uncle was, quote unquote, acting the way that he was acting at the bank? He just said he was tired. And he was like, no, he's fine when we were on our way here. But he said this after he dropped the corpse and ran. (laughs) But, like, he didn't say anything to the teller, like, you know, like, oh, yeah. No, he just walked up and he's like, hey, my uncle's here to uh, get his pension check. And the post office worker, because that's evidently how that works in Ireland, was like, hmm, I have suspicions. Like, he didn't even try the whole, like, he's drunk thing, because, you know, Irish stereotype, they drink a lot of beer. No, no, like no. Nothing. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm I'm now just picturing the like the two people that are holding the corpse just like looking at each other cartoon style and then just dropping him and running. I mean all I can picture is Bernie week weekend at Bernie's in his Hawaiian print shirt uh, in Ireland. <laughs> he said he was walking like normal and then all of a sudden he started going all slumpy <laughs> that was my that's my and when they asked if he had drug his uncle's dead body in the post office to rob him he said am i cuckoo no i'm not i hate when i go all slumpy right same <laughs> anyway there's still an investigation but he was allowed to be the man's pallbearer he's very dead they didn't get his pension check because he was dead. Like, if I were the dead guy, I don't know that I would want somebody who was basically trying to rob me 
Carrie to makes some gifts to be my to be my pallbearer. Like, I mean, I mean, at that point though, he doesn't really have much say in the matter. Yeah, if true. it's a small town, he probably doesn't have a whole lot of options. <laughs> so I, I all I'm saying is, if you guys ever try to carry my corpse to the bank to get what's left in my bank account, you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> trying to think of a way I could do that without it looking suspicious, but that's <laughs> like I'll lose my job. So maybe. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you come up with a way to make it not look suspicious, just tell me the idea, and then and then I'll take care of it. They know you there, Mitch. <laughs> I'll shave. I've never seen clean shaven, Mitch. That'll do it. That'll change the whole thing. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before uh, we get... Uh, you know, like the FBI listening in to us. But hey, you know, we got new <laughs> listeners, so I'm, I'm cool with it, I guess. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week. But in the meantime, check us out on social media. Uh, while you're there, give us some feedback. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye. Bye.